BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, y'all. This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. And let me tell you, we have an absolutely jam-packed episode for you tonight. We are covering the entire National League, mainly because we have some catching up to do if we want to get on track by the time opening day rolls around next week. Although we're recording this on Thursday, you probably won't hear this until Monday at the earliest. So opening day this week, we have some catching up to do. Um, We are covering the entire National League, but besides the Nationals, we will save the Nationals for their own episode so we can go a little bit more in depth. So we have 14 teams to knock out tonight if we want to finish our division preview and in this case, our league preview and to embark on such a venture. I have to I had to have the best. There's no way I would be able to knock out 14 teams in one night unless I had the absolute best. And I got them, ladies and gentlemen. Ryan, we are all Shaq is joining me as always. You can give him a follow, like I said, at We Are All Shaq in the show at Half Street High Heat. Ryan, what's going on? What's going on? Uh, thanks, thanks for having me, man. <laughs> <laughs> Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> um, life's good, man. Surprise. Gonna gonna talk about my life here for a second. Surprise oh. peak with uh the cherry blossoms today. Nice. Came, came early, so I was like. I heard traffic was the worst. Well, so I was on the bike and my well, bike yeah, lane. It's different for you. Laughing at everyone, but the traffic was insane. 15th Street in Ohio were just not moving, bumper to bumper. And I was just laughing just on this electric bike because I had like a free $10 credit just waving at everyone. I was like, <laughs> I'm better than all of you. But it was gorgeous. Someone glorious. just opens their door as you're riding by. <laughs> no, it's a slam into the door. It's a protective one. These are these are the good ones. <laughs> um, but now my face hurts and I'm congested because spring's Pollen. pretty, but spring doesn't like me back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's really false false spring one 
because it's going to get cold next week again. It is opening day. It's going to be like 55. <laughs> but today was beautiful. <laughs> yes, it was literally 80 degrees today. So we will take it as it comes. Um, all right. So obviously we have our work cut out for us tonight. So I don't want to take too much time. But I like I said, we're recording this on Thursday. So there might be some news or roster moves that take place over the weekend that we don't cover uh, before our next episode, or at least on this episode, if you're listening to this. Um, but Ryan, just wanted to get your thoughts on how the roster is shaking up right now for the nationals. Uh, it seems like a lot has been decided for the most part. Like for instance, with Kate Cavalli out, it seems like Chad, Chad cool. will get the five spot in the rotation. Uh, they option stone Garrett to triple a. So it seems like, Dickerson, well, we kind of knew Dickerson was going to make the team, but Alex Call has got the fourth outfielder spot, and they're looking at one of um, Chavis or Matt Adams to fill that bench spot. Just your thoughts as of now on how the team's cracked up to be. I mean, it's just a bunch of misfit toys. Yeah, for like, the most part. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little disappointed that Stone Garrett didn't make the roster. Not surprised just because Davey's the one who went out. I'm not sorry. Rizzo is the one who went out and signed Dickerson. And at the time, I didn't really think that it made it sense. It made no sense. It made absolutely None. no sense at the time. He was atrocious last year, and he has a sub-400 OPS in spring. Yes, it's spring training. It doesn't matter that much. But for the fringe roster spots, like Corey Dickerson kind of is right now, it matters. So I'm not surprised. He went out and signed them. This team loves their vets. Disappointed in it, but there's there's no surprises up and down. At least Stone Garrett can get ABs every single day in AAA. Matt Adams, as much as it pains me, is going to make this roster, which really makes me upset. And then the rotation's going to be bad, folks. The rotation's going to be really, really bad. It was going to be bad with Cavalli, but like, who cares? Like I've said before, like a young guy struggling. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Now I'm gonna watch Chad Cool. Like I don't, I don't think a single person on this rotation's got an ERA under four this year, so that's gonna stink. But that's just the state of the franchise right now. Yeah, and like, so the thing with growing pains is they're going to happen, right? So if I'm trying to think of an example, you know, C.J. Abrams, for instance, like. Yeah, he's going to make the roster, so it might not be the best example, but like, yeah, it's going to be AAA, but whenever he gets to the majors, forget C.J. Abrams, but if you have a top prospect, whenever he gets to the majors, there's likely to be growing pains. Growing pains are better to happen when the team is not good and not dependent on you than when, you know, you're starting to turn a corner and, you know, all this stuff. So it's like if there's if we know there's going to be growing pains, like let's just get them out of the way and help them along the way and let them settle into being a major league baseball player, even though they are young, because there's zero expectations. We've been saying this for years now, expecting expectation free baseball is great, but uh, I don't know what they're doing. Like Corey Dickerson, the signing made no sense, especially with, I believe Adam Duvall was still in the market. Um, David Peralta was still in the market. If you were really set on the lefty bat. Uh, jerks and profar was absolutely still in the market uh all of which signed one-year deals yes they were more expensive than dickerson but like you know you could have added 
four million dollars to the deal you gave Dickerson and got one of those guys, and they really would have helped out. Um, and I think people are kind of misconstruing my support of Stone Garrett. It's because he was one of the only guys in this lineup with upside. Corey Dickerson has zero upside, and I don't mean to turn this into a anti Corey Dickerson episode or rant or anything like that, but. You know, it is just because he does not fit what this team is trying to do at all or like should be doing at least like a Dom Smith makes sense. He's young enough to kind of recoup some of his value. Corey Dickerson is what he is at this point. And even him taking at bats away from someone like Alex Call, who's had a really good spring is makes no sense. And I'm not saying Stone Garrett had a really good spring either. But again, he has a lot of upside and he's really one of the only players at spring training who had power upside, which this team really needs. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, some of these lineups they've been putting out don't really inspire confidence, but it is what it is. Um, we'll, we'll have to reserve our judgment until opening day, but we'll get there. All right, let's kick off our national league rankings. We will be starting in the NL West. And Ryan's going to start us off with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, the Dodgers came off a hell of a regular season last year. They won 111 games. They won the West for the ninth time in 10 years. Then they lost in the first round to the San Diego Padres because when you win 111 games, you don't play a lot of high-pressure baseball. Very interesting offseason for them. If any other team had this roster, you're talking about a third-place team. But because it's the Dodgers, people are still talking about them like they're good. And there is a lot, a lot of variance with this team. Fangraphs projects them to win 88 games. Pakoda projects them to win at 96 games. That's just an example of the variance that we see here. And they're kind of like relying on a lot. They had more of a quiet offseason. The Bauer situation hurt that. They're also trying to stay low so they can go underneath the cap to reset for the $500 million contractor and give Shohei Otani at them this year. But they still have stars in this team and Mookie and Freeman. But overall, there's a lot more questions on this Dodgers roster than we've seen in the last several years because last five years, they haven't had a single question. The one question is where are they going to put all their stars? Looking at it, can Muncy bounce back after his bad year coming back from injury? Can Chris Taylor bounce back from his bad year coming back from injury? Can Thompson come close to what he did last year? Can J.D. Martinez bounce back? They do have some young guys who are going to come up and be interesting. James Outman and Michael Bush, they are going to come up this year. One of them is going to have a five war because it's the Dodgers. That's what they do. Then you look at the rotation. Kershaw hasn't pitched over 132 or more innings since 2019. May is coming off a of TJ. Gonsolin's coming off a of forearm stream. Noah Syndergaard's trying to become good again. And they may be without Bauer, Bueller for the entire season. So now you look at a rotation that kind of has question marks. But they also have Urias, fantastic ace, holding it down for them. And they have great pitching depth because it's the Dodgers. They still have one of the best farm systems in the league. They have four great young arms waiting to be called up. Looking at their lineup, their projected opening day lineup is Mookie, Freeman, Will Smith, Max Muncy, J.D. Martinez, David Peralta, Trace Thompson, Miguel Vargas, and Miguel Rojas. 
not a typical Dodgers lineup that we expect to see. Full prediction here. I think they regress. I think they have one of the worst seasons they've had in the last 10 years, and they only win 95 games this year. That's what we should expect out of the Dodgers this year. Man, imagine regressing and only winning 95 games. L- literally. Like, they're, <laughs> they're so annoying. Like every year they win like 97, 98, 100, 111. And then 2020, they're on they're like 43 and 17. Yeah. Like, so stupid. Yeah. Uh, that's the Dodgers for you. Um, so <laughs> we know the Dodgers are going to be good. It's just a matter of how good, like Ryan said. Um, it's, if we're talking about how good the Dodgers will be, a lot of that has to do with how good the Padres will be. The Padres are the next team we are breaking down in our NL coverage, our National League coverage. The Padres, you know, they are not afraid of making a splash, as we know. Obviously, they got Juan Soto, but it did not stop there. They had a very active offseason, even though they kind of lost more guys than they've added. They added the big names. They went out and signed Xander Bogarts. That that was after they were in on Aaron Judge and in on Trey Turner. And the fact that Xander was kind of their third option just goes to show you how serious they are. They managed to extend Manny Machado. So not that Manny Machado was at risk of not playing for them this year. But it, again, it just goes to show you how serious the Padres are. Last year, only 89 wins, but they did have a good playoff run. Like Ryan said, they did manage to beat the Dodgers in the uh, first round, and then they went on to play the Phillies and ultimately lost to them in the championship series. But all in all, I think it was a good uh, performance for them because regular season doesn't matter as long as you get into the postseason. It matters what you do in the postseason. They did lose a lot, though. A lot of their depth is gone. Josh Bell, Sean Manaya, Mike Clevenger. Uh, Brandon Drury, Will Myers, Jerks, and Profar, all gone. And they didn't do a ton to replace them. So they're going to be relying a ton on that star talent. But they do have just as much, if not more, star talent than any team in baseball. Tatis, Machado, Bogarts, Soto. Like, that is the best core for in baseball, likely. Um, They're pitching a little bit suspect. They still do have Darvish. Musgrove, Snell at the top three, but they're going to be relying on guys like Michael Waka, who they signed in free agency, who had a great year last year, but has really struggled over the past few years. Can he repeat it? They're going to be relying on a guy like Nick Martinez to eat, eat a lot of innings. Seth Lugo, like solid, but does that rotation do enough to battle the Dodgers, to battle the National League and the, the beasts of the East and even the Cardinals that are likely to you know, be their opponents in the postseason. And also with every division playing everybody now, you know they're going to be seeing the NL East more. They're going to be seeing the AL East more. Can that pitching hold up? That's going to be the big key for, um, for the Padres. The, kind of the forgotten trade of the last year's deadline because of the Soto and Bell trade and even the Drury trade, he made a big splash by hitting a grand slam in his Padres debut as well. They do have Josh Hader as well, who, you know, I think Edwin Diaz was the better closer last year, but you know, entering 2022 people, a lot of people would have said Josh Hader was the best closer in baseball. He was rough as a San Diego Padre last year. Does he bounce back now that he settled out there uh, in the West? Uh, Robert Suarez is a really good uh, bullpen piece for them as well. So there's a lot of potential, but can they put it together over long stretches of the season? 
It's a grind. The Padres were stacked last year and they only won 89 games. Again, good enough to make the playoffs, but if other teams get hot, you know, 89 wins might not do it for them. They need to have a good, um, you know, stretch, multiple good stretches in the regular season to really punch a ticket and maybe possibly dethrone the Dodgers in the NL West. Oh, I forgot to mention they did add uh, Nelson Cruz as well. <laughs> so incoming Nelson Cruz 25 home run season, uh, you can kind of count on that with <laughs> with the way the Nats have gone. Uh, speaking of Pakota, like Ryan mentioned, they have the Padres at 93 and a half wins. Uh, so 0.4 wins in their sim behind the Dodgers. So it's really neck and neck. I like Ryan's prediction that the Dodgers quote unquote regress this year, but I still don't think the Padres put it together long enough to overtake the division. I'm still taking them for the the playoffs, but if Ryan has the Dodgers at 95 wins, I just can't get there with the Padres. I have them right about 90, 91, um, good enough for a wild card spot, but not good enough to win the division. I like it. I like it. I think they win the division. I like it. I, I want they, them to win the division. I, I just, I don't think they do. Yeah, that's the beauty of sports. All right, so next up we were talking about the Giants. And man, did any team have more of a tease of an offseason <laughs> than the Giants? They had Judge for five minutes. That was pretty cool. Um, they had Carlos Correa for a couple of days. Then Carlos Correa signed a couple more $300 million contracts. They desperately, desperately needed a superstar this offseason, and they didn't get it. Now they have to contend in a very good top-heavy NL West to attract some of the 2024 free agents because they have just not been able to get superstars to come to them. But all things considered, the offseason was pretty good. Like if John Heyman doesn't tweet out that they got Arson Judge, we're thinking about this offseason a lot differently. They had a Mitch Haniger. They got Michael Conforto, who still exists after all these years. Forgot about him. He sat out for a while. Is he going to have rust? He's looked good in spring. But again, you're not seeing pitchers best. In spring training, a lot of pitchers are just working on certain things. Um, they also added Taylor Rogers, Luke Jackson, Ross Stripling, Sean Manaya to round out their pitching staff. Is that enough to replace Rodon, who left? Probably not. Then you look at the outfield. This is probably their team's strength. Uh, they have Haniger, Peterson, Conforto. For the corner, that means they're going to move Yaz to center field. For pitching, they're hoping that Kyle Harrison, the 17th overall prospect in baseball, will hit the big leagues and help replace Rodon and be a nice pair with Webb in that one-two punch of the rotation. Looking at their lineup, again, not good. Lamont Wade Jr., Thyro Estrada, Jock, Michael Conforto, Brandon Crawford, David VR, Mike Yaz, Joey Bart, Blake Sabble. They regressed hard last year after I said that they were not that good, said they were cheating because what they were doing with the roster did not add up. They won 81 games last year. They desperately need to perform. That lineup isn't good. Then you look at the rotation, Webb, Cobb, Manaya, Ross Stripling, Alex Wood, not that impressed. Logan Webb's good, but after that, it's just not anything impressive. Taylor Rogers is good. They've got the Rogers brothers together. That could be a pretty interesting storyline for them. 
but the rest of the bullpen, again, is maybe average at best. Put it all together, they have yet another underperforming and underwhelming team. I think they're around the 81 game mark again, and the NLS is going to keep being a two-team race. I just don't think they have enough to keep up with the Dodgers, who are lesser than they have been, and the Padres. I just don't see it with this roster here. More hard conversations to have with the Giants about what to do with their future. Yeah, that that's a team they need to face up the franchise badly, like you mentioned. That's why they went after Judge and went after Correa, and they even went after Bryce Harper a couple of years ago because they don't have that like superstar prospect that awaiting in the minors. So, uh, but you were all over it. You called them frauds back in 2021, and you were correct, my friend. So, amen. Give yourself a pat on the back. All right, moving on to the Arizona Diamondbacks, a team, honestly, the, well, the Rockies can't really be thrown in this conversation anymore, but there was a while there, you know, through the late 2010s where both the Diamondbacks and Rockies were good for like a playoff push, or I I think the Rockies, I might be mistaken, the Rockies were like in the NLCS at one point, or at least a game away and all this stuff. Since then, very underwhelming from the Dimebacks. You thought when they, you know, were signing Madison Baumgartner and, you know, making all these like pushes to uh, get back to the playoffs and, you know, make a deep playoff run that they would have a little bit more something to show for it. But honestly, not much to show for it. The Dimebacks last year, not great. Uh, I mean, I I guess the bright spot and kind of the storyline after a 74 74 win season is Corbin Carroll. Corbin Carroll played 32 games last year. Rock one of the uh not the Rockies, the D-backs top prospects. 32 games last year. The D-backs went out and signed him to an 8-year, 111 million dollar deal, which is the quickest I forget how Passon phrased it, like signing a guy after only 32 major league games is a wild concept, especially for an eight year, $111 million deal. But that seems to be the new norm um, or at least one of the new norms in baseball is these young guys just logging in long-term deals, guaranteed money while they can, because who knows what happens over these next few years. We saw Caber Ruiz do it as well. Um, But Corbin Carroll, if you don't know him, fastest guy in the majors. I mean, obviously Trey Turner's up there. Shohei Otani is up there, but Corbin Carroll is like documented as the fastest guy in the majors and he can kind of swing it too. Obviously last year was only his rookie year. And I don't even know if you can really call it his rookie year after 32 games, but he was respectable with a, a nice 830 uh, OPS, 260 average, four home runs. And, you know, he, there's something there. And clearly the, the D-backs agree if they are giving him an 111, $111 million over eight years. But after that, like, there's some interesting pieces, but honestly, not a ton. They still have Cattell Marte, who I like as a bounce back candidate this year. Christian Walker had had a really nice uh, season last year with 25 plus home runs. They have some quality arms in their uh, rotation with Zach Allen and Mer- Merrill Kelly. They traded uh, Dalton Varsho, who was kind of their catcher, outfield, the hybrid, do it all kind of guy for Lords Goriel and. Um, the catcher whose name is escaping me, uh, Moreno, Gabriel Moreno, I believe, the catching prospect from Toronto. He might not start with the big league club, but that's kind of their 
Dalton Varsho replacement, so to speak. They added Kyle Lewis from Seattle. So they made kind of these like supplementary moves to go with guys that they hope can either replicate or bounce back. At the end of the day, like this is not a playoff team. Obviously, we're talking about the fourth place team from last year who didn't really make any significant moves. The moves they did make were more of the selling nature than the adding nature. Um, they're going to need Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly to really step up if they have any shot. And I'm not saying that they do, but um, those two guys are, are solid. Like I'm not trying to take anything away from them. Corbin Carroll, he's out to prove that he is the new face of the Diamondbacks. Could tell Marte, like I said, will be looking to bounce back. And this team could surprise you in the sense that I honestly, I think they finish above the Giants. I think the Giants are... You know, I think they're going in opposite directions. The Giants have gone 107 wins, 81 wins, and I think they dropped below 81 this year. The Diamondbacks, they were at 74 wins last year. I have them about 81 wins this year. Again, not Neil moving, but at least going in the right direction in a very tough, well, top-heavy division. They're not going to be competing for the division anytime soon, but they can at least take steps in the right direction with some of these young guys and with some of their key pieces, their foundational pieces bouncing back and then, you know, have successful off seasons over the next couple of years to really build their team back up to what it once was in a playoff team. But the Diamondbacks, meh, you know, not the worst team we'll talk about, but certainly not the best. Great analysis dimebacks are uh my uh team to watch this year Interesting. i i think they're gonna be a thorn in people's sides i can see in, that in the analysis here and i think they're gonna surprise some people and in the next couple of years they're gonna be very very good because that young core is forming and that young core ceiling is so high so they're gonna be fun uh a less fun team let's talk about the rockies <laughs> yeah here's the thing the rockies stink and they're going to stink again. Last year, surprisingly, the problem wasn't the pitching. Now, the pitching wasn't good. The pitching stunk. But their offense last year was egregious. They were 26th in WRC+. plus. They were 23rd in home runs. Um, and they had the second least amount of home runs in franchise history. They also play 81 games in the most offensive-friendly ballpark in the league. And their offense was egregious. Huge, huge. They were bad at home, even worse on the road. So they traded for murderer's row of names here. You ready? They traded for Nolan Jones, Dylan Sprain, Nick Mears, Connor Seabed, and they claimed Brent Super. They signed murderer's row. Brad Hand, Nationals great. Uh, Jerkson Profarks. Actually, I like him. I think that's yeah. a really good signing. Good for them. And Pierce Johnson. The team's also rather injured um randall gritchick he's gonna miss some time gold glove second baseman and probably their best player brendan rogers is probably out for the season sean bucard one of their few good players very sneaky underrated guy is also out for the season um they do have alan treo who is going to fill in for some of these injuries he was a rotational guy last year coming off the bench but he had a absolute fantastic fantastic World Baseball Classic from Mexico, so he's riding a high right now. Feeling pretty good about him. Uh, Mike Moustakis will also make the roster as well. The bullpen was one of the worst in baseball last year. It's going to be one of the worst again. 
Um, they do have a couple of young, exciting prospects. There's not that exciting. They're really, they're really not. Um, they signed Chris Bryant a couple years ago. It was very, very random at the time. I thought, you know, maybe, maybe this is them trying to do something, turn a corner. Nothing they've done since then has really made sense. Looking at the lineup, they got Profar, Bryant, Blackman, Blackman, CJ Crone, who is just not the power hitter who they thought he was, Ryan McMahon, uh, Daza, Mike Moustakis, Diaz, and Tovar. Not great. Maybe might push 20th in the league in runs. Getting absolutely crazy in here. <laughs> They're not good. They are bad. The rotation, Marquez, really like. I also like Kyle Freeland. After that, it falls off. It's not good. The bullpen, Daniel Bard, not bad. He had a 4.19 for the Rockies. Pretty good. Brad Hand stinks. Lamette, so crazy how he fell off. They're taking the flyer on him. Unfortunately, he's in Colorado. There's just not much here. What they're doing doesn't really make sense. They did have some pieces, but they weren't aggressive enough in the offseason. They also had a superstar, Nolan Arenado, trade to him. They let Trevor Story go. Nothing they're doing makes sense. They're very confusing. They were egregious last year. They won 64 games. I expect them to win less than that. This year, they're going to be battling for the number one overall pick in the lottery this year. They're going to be very, very bad. Yeah, uh, I would say it's a safe bet, whatever the odds are, that the Rockies finish in last place in the NL West again. And uh, lottery pick seems uh, about right for their future. They do have some pieces, but yeah, they're one of the more poorly managed teams in uh not necessarily managed but operationally managed teams in baseball uh it's just brutal what's happening out there in colorado all right so that does it for the nos shifting to the nl central we are talking the st louis cardinals the nl central division champions last year uh 93 wins um did they lose in the first round the expanded playoffs have been messing with my brain. Yes, question mark. I th- I think they did because uh, for those that listened to the last episode with Trey, I was put in a blender with the Tampa Bay Rays not being able to remember. I'm used to there being two matchups in the Sorry, wild card, series. Wild card, wild card. Uh, they lost a oh, wild card round. Yeah. See, I am in a blender right now. Anyways, St. Louis Cardinals, 93 wins last year, which is honestly solid, but I think if you're looking at a team due for regression in the win column, I think they're it mainly because they are going to be playing other better teams than the NL central. Uh, The Brewers have great pitching, but their lineup suspect the Cubs are in this weird in between right now. And obviously the Reds and pirates are the Reds and pirates. So they were able to feast uh, in those 93 wins on a weaker division. They will still obviously play their division several times, but it's less than it was before. They're going to be playing the beasts of the NLS, the the strong pitching in the NL East, and then obviously the AL teams as well. So I think their like win total will come down. Pakoda has them at uh, 86 wins, so they kind of tend to agree with my analysis as well. But the Cardinals are in this interesting position because I think whereas the Rockies were one of the worst operationally ran organizations i think the cardinals are actually one of the best and that's why year after year you see them always be competitive even though there's very glaring 
obvious holes in their roster, whether it be lineup or rotation, it's mainly rotation. Now uh, they're always well ran. They win games. They're supposed to, they don't lose games that they're supposed to. And, you know, they just do what they can and nothing more. They really haven't had a deep run in a while. And a lot of that has to do with pitching. Adam Wainwright, 41 year old Adam Wainwright is their ace right now. Like, yes, you could technically say Jack Flaherty, but Jack Flaherty has not been the same in the past couple of years with all these injuries and he's injured again. So they're hoping for a bounce back, but you can't really call them, call him their ace right now. So they're depending on on 41 year old Adam Wainwright. You know what happens when you depend on a 41 year old to be your ace? It doesn't go well. Also, he is hurt now. He's strained his groin. He's probably going to miss the, the start of the season. So now it bumps to Miles Mikolas, who's a fine pitcher, but he's certainly not an ace. Now you're depending on someone like Jordan Montgomery, who's best suited as like a, a four to be your three, possibly your two guy. And it's just, it, it's a bad situation. And the season hasn't even started for the Cardinals rotation. Thankfully, they have two things going for them. They have a really deep lineup and their defense is probably the best in the majors. They have the, the, arguably the best defensive corners, certainly the best defensive duo corner or duo at the corners in Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, obviously Team USA partners as well. Um, but then up the middle, they have honestly chess pieces to move with or to play around with that are all solid defensively. Tommy Edmond, Nolan Gorman, um, the third guy's name is escaping me right now because I forgot to write his name down. But they have pieces to play with um, in the middle. In the outfield, they have Tyler O'Neill, Lars Newtbar, um, and then they added Wilson Contreras behind the dish as well. Like they have a very, very deep like field and lineup. It's just a matter of can everyone do what they're supposed to, which has been the Cardinals' expertise or you know area of expertise for several years now, and honestly, probably their history as well. It's just a matter of can their pitching keep up because they're going to be facing teams with excellent pitching. And especially early in the year, pitching tends to be ahead of hitting. If they get off to a slow start, it wouldn't be crazy to think a team like the Brewers, who have excellent pitching, leapfrog them. And not that the Cardinals can't overcome that deficit, especially early in the year. It's just what moves are they going to make to help that pitching? Because even if Wainwright was healthy, even if Flaherty was healthy, I still don't think their rotation is as good as they want it to be, you know, again, depending on a 41 year old is just not good business, depending on an oft injured high upside, but oft injured pitcher and Jack Flaherty, not good business. Miles Mikolas uh, and Jordan Montgomery are best suited in the back of the rotation, not the front as well. Are they going to make some moves because they have top prospects? We thought for a while, you know, the past two seasons, were they going to be on Max in on Max Scherzer? Were they going to be in on Juan Soto? They had conversations, but also ultimately decided not to pull the trigger. They tend to be a little bit more of a conservative franchise and only make strategic moves for guys that they know they can lock up long-term. We haven't seen a ton of high-profile rentals go to uh, the Cardinals. It Typically, if they trade for a big-name player like a Goldschmidt or an Arenado, or even if you want to go back a little bit further, like a Matt Holiday, they tend to extend them. I don't know who would be on the market at the trade deadline this year, but they do have attractive prospects. Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, those guys are not likely to be moved, but they could, you know, make their debuts this year and provide a boost to a lineup that is honestly pretty already pretty solid if guys go down, which 
you know, always happens during the season. Their bullpen, one thing I didn't mention, is strong. Ryan Helsley uh, is very solid. Giovanni Gallegos and a couple others in their bullpen. So their bullpen should be solid. And their division is still weak, so they have that going for them as well. 86 wins seems about right. They're probably going to be in a tight race in September for the division as the NL central tends to be, I would put Milwaukee who Ryan will talk about here in a minute uh, up there with them. And it's just going to be a dogfight who can outlast two for the NL central. Interesting. Interesting analysis. Oh, you disagree. No, on some things, but you'll, you'll, you'll hear as I, okay. As I began to digest on the Milwaukee Brewers, um, the Brew headset fell off. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, the the Brewers had a very very disappointing 2022 season. They got a mix of all stars and prospects on this team, and they're looking to bounce back. Last year was pretty contentious for them. They traded Josh Hader, and it did not go over very well. The team, even though Hader was struggling before he was traded. And he struggled well after. It did not go over very well. But the good news is the drama should be down. So looking at it, they also move Hunter Renfro in the offseason. The rest of the lineup, it's interesting. Um, a lot of questions here for them. Can Christian Yelich remember how to hit a baseball? Can Anderson or Naquin hold down the corner outfield spot to when their top prospects come up? Um and then speaking of their top prospects, when Tyrone Taylor comes up, can he produce? Is he the real deal? Um, when will Sal Frelick, Jolie Weimer, will they be called up? Can they come close to the minor league production? Because they put up pretty good numbers in the minor leagues. Can they come close to that and help give this lineup, which is not very good, a big boost? Look at the last year. They're 22nd in average, 13th in on-base, 10th in runs which is surprising, but these weren't good. Um, Sorry, I lost my nose for a second. Then you keep looking at the rest of their top prospects because there's a lot of very interesting ones here that they're going to have to rely on more than other teams. Bryce Terang, he's going to be the opening day second baseman. Him and Willie Adamez, who's coming off in the best season of his career, their middle field looks like the biggest strength of this team. They also have Rowdy Tellez, who hold down first base. They acquired William Contreras in the most random trade of all time from the Braves this offseason. They're going to have him catching and also have Jesse Winker at DH. Looking at it, seems like guys are going to bounce back. Then you look at the rotation. The rotation is elite. Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, pretty good one, two, three. Lauer and Miley. They're okay back into the guys, but they're still good in the sense from one to five. That's a pretty elite rotation. The bullpen, however, it's bad. It wasn't very good last year. They traded Hater. They also lost a lot of key arms this offseason to the bullpen. Um, so they're gonna have Devin Williams holding down the ninth inning. He's gonna be good, but can they get it to him? They don't really know who is gonna be doing the setup duty right now. So that is the question. Can they get it to him? Is it going to be Matt Bush doing the setup duty? Is it going to be Milner? Is it going to be Javi Guerrera, Bryce Wilson, Adrian Hauser? None of those names are names to write home about. They don't really excite you. They're not that good. 
this bullpen is going to be a big, big issue for them. And looking at it with their upcoming free agents, this is quite possibly their final go at it to win a title with their top three rotation. The lineup with Adames, Yelich, and others should be electric. The key word is should. I just don't see how it is. I think this team struggles again mightily. Their projected lineup, Yelich, Adames, Tellez, Contreras, Winker, Urias, Mitchell, Anderson, Bryce Terang in the top prospect, doesn't move me. I think they struggle again. I think the NL Central is a one-team race, Nick. I do not think it's a dog race. And I think the biggest shock of 2023 is that the Brewers sell at the deadline and they move one, if not one, two of their starting pitchers at the deadline and sell. I that is my outlook for them. I, I don't mind that take, especially for those that didn't see it. The Brewers taking Corbin Burns, who won the Cy Young two years ago, to arbitration over like, it was like 875K. Not even a million dollars, not just, several it million dollars. It, it like it might have been even less than that. Like a Cy Young Award winning guy, your ace, and taking him to arbitration is it, just bad, bad, bad business. So to see him moved, I mean, yeah, I doubt they would move him to the Cardinals, but you know, for a team with a lot of top, uh, like top prospects, like overall in baseball, not just obviously their own top prospects, but a lot of valuable top prospects. I could see them saying, Hey, Corbin Burns, uh, is he available? Or Brandon Woodruff, is he available? Because I believe Burns, Burns and Woodruff are Bradens in the same year in like 2025. So I doubt they would be able to retain both of them and they might not retain either of them if they can get a, a haul back. So I agree with it. I, I do think their pitching and overall grit will be enough to keep them in the conversation, mainly because I don't think the Cardinals will be a 93-win team. I think the Cardinals will be 87 wins, and if the Brewers are 83 or whatever, that still puts them in spitting range of uh, of first place, even though they're not really a playoff team. So we'll see. All right, before we move on with the NL Central, let's pause and get a word from our sponsors. All right, we're back and continuing on with the NL Central portion of our NL coverage tonight as we break down 14 teams uh, in the National League. Moving on with the Chicago Cubs, the team that operates the way I wish the Nationals would operate. And I mean that both the Cubs and the Nationals really kicked off and were really the only teams the only catalysts at the 2021 deadline, the Cubs sold Baez, Rizzo, and Bryant. The Nationals obviously sold uh, Scherzer and Turner and a couple of other supplementary pieces as well. The Cubs, though, they didn't just sit on their hands and do nothing. They went out and signed Marcus Stroman, which I'm a Marcus Stroman fan, but he's not necessarily a Cy Young guy, but he's a solid rotation guy. Then... You know, they made a couple other moves uh, last year, but then this year they went out. They were very active. They signed Dansby Swanson, which I'll talk about that deal in a minute. It's not necessarily my favorite, but I do appreciate them being active. They then signed a couple of flyers, Eric Hosmer, which I don't think anyone would be giving up anything of value 
to get Eric Cosmer, but you know, at least they filled the need. Trey Mancini, uh, Cody Bellinger, like those are guys that conceivably Jameson Tyon as well. Uh, but the three um, batters that I mentioned are guys that are conceivable, conceivably players that could re- net you a good return at the deadline. Should they, um, you know, have a strong first half of the season. Those are high value flyers of guys that, you know, would be valuable to teams because teams are always looking for bench bats, especially bench power bats at the deadline. They're always looking for pitching at the deadline. They also signed Michael Fulmer as well to be presumably their closer. And if he performs well, he could be moved at the deadline as well. So the Cubs, I don't think they're back to being a playoff team, but their lineup like isn't really bad right now. If you're going not necessarily their lineup, but what their field looks like, Jan Gomes, Eric Hosmer, Nico Horner, who I'm a fan of, uh, moves back to second base, which he will do well with him and Dansby Swanson up the middle should be one of the better defensive middle of the infields in baseball. Patrick Wisdom at third base, Ian Happ, who had a great year last year, Cody Bellinger, and Seiya Suzuki in the outfield, and then Trey Mancini de-aging. Like, that's a solid lineup. So if you're looking at last year, 74 wins, I would definitely take the over on that. Pakoda has them at 76, which to me seems a little low, but I guess if they do sell at the deadline, their second half might kind of counteract their first half, the strong first half I think they're going to have. Their rotation isn't great. Stroman, like I said, is their ace tie-on, was probably their second in line. Kyle Hendricks, who's been uh, a staple of the Chicago Cubs rotation for several years now, uh, will probably drop down to third. They have Justin Steele and Drew Smiley backing up uh, their rotation as well. Not great, but not terrible either. It's just, where are they going? Like, back to the Danzy Swanson deal. Danzy Swanson picked a hell of a year to bet not necessarily bet on himself but to have a career year because uh visual mean or verbal meme here you know the the meme of the army guys there are four in a row there's army guy army guy clown army guy dansby swanson is the free agent shortstop clown in the carlos correa and xander bogarts and trey turner uh crop i just don't think he belongs his defense is great but i don't think he performs quite to the level offensively that he did last year. Maybe I'm wrong. And maybe the Cubs saw something that I didn't, but I I just don't see it. And if, you know, he's not necessarily the face of your franchise or the guy you're quote unquote building around, like, where are you going? The Cubs, I I do like their aggressiveness, especially getting a guy like Bellinger, former MVP, uh, good bounce back candidate like i i could really see him being moved at the deadline even if he doesn't really have the strongest first half just because of the name and the lefty bat and the lefty power bat he's a guy i really like you know the um cubs going out to get i wish the nationals got him but you know the nats are the nats it's just i i don't really know what they're doing but maybe they're just kind of biding their time until uh, some of their top prospects reach the majors like Pete Crow Armstrong is their top prospect. He probably won't be here this year, but he'll probably be in their outfield to start 2024. Uh, they have a couple other outfield prospects that are, um, will likely be there in 2023 or 20 late 2023 or 2024. Um, so they could just be biding their time and, you know, trying to flip the one year rentals for, um, just, you know, recouping assets at the deadline 
in the uh, in the farm system. I just uh, like I want the Cubs to make that next step. I just think it's probably a year, maybe two years too early. And by that time, some of their signings that they've made will then be free again. And it might kind of reset their clock a little bit. So the Cubs are a team that I like I'm rooting for, but I don't see them really pushing more than 80 wins. Yeah. The, the Chicago mids. Yeah. Kind of like that roster is just mid. Yeah. Don't see it. I appreciate the effort, but that is mid. (laughs) Yep. All right. Uh, moving on to the last team in the NL Central. Again, one of the worst teams in the league this year. It's the Reds. They stink. We actually have two teams left in the NL Central. You forgot the about the Pirates. Oh, my God. They also stink. <laughs> yes. But God, yeah, this division's in egregious. We, we could combine them into one conversation. It, it would be the same. But, yeah, go ahead. Oh, my God. This division. Um, yeah, so the Reds stink. They stink again, but they're going to be calling up some of their top prospects. So fans, yeah, yeah, a little something, something to cheer for, which hasn't been very possible in the last couple of years for Cincinnati. It's been some dark, dark times. One of the things that they're going to be watching, Jonathan India had a lost season in 2022. He battled injuries. He wasn't very good after winning rookie of the year. He's going to look to bounce back. Another question is, can Joey Votto get back to full health, or will he just be a mentor for the young guys? He's going to try to finish out his career strong. He has a couple milestones he's looking for. He's going to be the DH if he's healthy. He's just battling some injuries, and he's doing some commentary. He's been kind of good at it. They cleared out their third base. They got rid of Mike Moustakas, just straight up DFA'd the man. Open them up for Spencer Steer. He's going to get the regular playing time there. He's one of their top prospects. And if he can perform like he did in the minor leagues, that is going to be a very, very exciting man for them. Um, L.A. De La Cruz will come up at some point to play shortstop and look to usher in a new era of baseball in Cincinnati. He's the number four prospect in baseball right now. He is absolutely electric. If you're not familiar with the name, get familiar with the name right now because I think he's the real deal. He's going to be very, very good. And hopefully if he comes in and hits the ground running, that will be something that the Reds actually finally start to invest around because there'll be some pieces there. Uh, Matt McLean also looks to one up, sorry, looks to play one of their top prospects. He's going to be up in 2023. Um, They have him at second base, which is very interesting because Jonathan India is there. Not sure how that's going to work out, but they do want him to come up. So that is a storyline to watch as well. Then you also look at another prospect that they're going to be calling up in Christian Encarnacion. He's just strand, excuse me, forgot the hyphen strand. Great power hitting prospect. He's going to be looking to play first base or DH for them, depending on where Vado is. And a lot of their rotation is young. Again, Growing pains galore with this team. It's an exciting rotation for them. Hunter Green, Nick Ladello, Graham Ashcraft, all three of them were rookies last year. They weren't great. They weren't terrible. Um, they were 28th in the ERA. They're better than the Nats were last year. 25th in whip, 28th in walks per nine, 11th in strikeouts. So they were rookies last year. A lot of growing pains. 
fans are going to be excited. Hope that young rotation can take another step forward. With these prospects coming up, they're not going to be good. The bullpen is stinky, but there's pieces there. Looking at the lineup, you got Jonathan India, Joey Vado, Will Myers, Tyler Stevenson, who I actually kind of like, Jake Fraley, Kevin Newman, TJ Friedel, Spencer Steer, Will Benson. More young guys are going to be coming up. The pieces are there for them. They're not going to be good this year. They're not going to be good next year. But you can finally see some of the action from that long rebuild they've been going through, which is very interesting because they rebuild. They contended for one year and they went, we're out, we're done, never mind, back to the rebuild. Went back to rebuilding the farm. And that was a 60-game season, too. That was their year of contention. Literally, they got a taste. And they're like, oh, my God, that was too scary. It's like when a beautiful person says hi to you in public and you like poop yourself. It was like that. And they're like, nope, going back. We're done. We don't want that anymore. Am I the Cincinnati Reds? You're the, you're the Cincinnati <laughs> Reds, my man. It makes, it makes you think. So I don't, they're so weird. But there's actually storylines to monitor. There's going to be players that all baseball fans should be paying attention to when these prospects come up. Sentences we haven't heard in a long time. They're still going to be bad. They're going to be one of the five worst teams in the league, but there's hope, which is rare for them. Yeah, I agree. Um, And a team I feel very similar about is the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, They aren't going to contend. They're in the midst of a long rebuild, but you can kind of see the fruits of the rebuild starting to starting to pop up here and there. Obviously, we know Key Brian Hayes. O'Neill Cruz made his debut last year. That left side of the infield is exciting, ladies and gentlemen. That's one you should watch, even if you're not a Pirates fan or plugged into the ongoings in Pittsburgh. Also, highly recommend that you get out to a game in Pittsburgh because that is the best baseball park in the Major League Baseball. I was going to say the National Baseball League, but that's not a thing. In Major League Baseball, uh, they still have Brian Reynolds for the time being. He's requested a trade. I think that does end up happening because even though Brian Reynolds is a very solid outfielder, I don't think he necessarily fits their timeline. They're probably looking at another three to four years before they really start contending again. And Brian Reynolds, I believe, is a free agent in the next two years. Um, I believe so that timeline just might not work, but they could trade him and get a haul of prospects, especially if they trade him now. Um, but even then it's not like their farm system is hurting. They have really good top five in their, uh, prospect rankings. Uh, we could see a guy like Henry Davis, former number one overall pick a couple of years ago, make his debut later this year might be 2024, but that'll be exciting for pirates fans to watch. Tamar Johnson, he's, you know, still only 18, but, you know, he could rise for the majors quickly if he keeps on hitting. Um, guys like Andy Rodriguez, Quinn Preister, you could conceivably see them this year. They're already in AAA. Uh, so that's exciting for Pirates fans as well. But, you know, the, the bulk of this team is Brian Hayes and um, O'Neill Cruz. A lot of power, a lot of flashy plays. That left side of the infield is going to be one Pirates fans want to see for the next 20 years, but ultimately they'll see them for the next eight until they trade them or lose them in free agency. The other storyline I really liked was Andrew McCutcheon returning to Pittsburgh. That just, Andrew McCutcheon has really bounced around. He's not obviously the MVP candidate he once was, but he's still a solid player. And 
rather than you know trying to go ring chasing or anything like that he just went back to pittsburgh uh, obviously the place that you know he got his start he won his mvp he was a part of so many competitive pirates teams in the early 2010s it's like a really feel good storyline to see him back in pittsburgh and i hope he finishes his career there they also made some like okay moves g-man Choi and carlos santana provide a little bit of pop to that lineup austin hedges actually did did they already have Austin Hedges? Am I making that up? I don't remember, but he's sounds like he played for them. Yeah, I might be confusing him with someone else. I thought, he, no, I think he played for the Guardians last year. Anyways, he's a solid backstop. I, I might be confusing him with someone else, but I think he's like, yeah, no, he is really bad offensively because he was he had like a one sixty three average last year. But defensively, he's a solid backstop. That's why he has a job still. Um, so that helps a young pitching staff. I, I say young, um, <laughs> kind of iffily because they signed Rich Hill as well. Dick Mountain, um, who kind of skews the median age of any rotation. He is kind of their ace right now. Although Ramsey Contreras is another young guy to watch. He's only 23 years old, but last year, like really showed signs of life. He went five and five had like a three, seven, nine ERA and 95 innings. Like super exciting uh, potential with him. They have Mitch Keller. They have JT Brubaker, who you hope just kind of eat innings and you know solidify themselves as middle of the rotation kind of guys. They have, like I said, they added Rich Hill and Vince Velasquez. So, like, if the Cubs were mid, the Pirates are like great value mid, but they do have a little bit more excitement with their team. Um, David Bednar is a really good reliever slash closer for them. I don't think he'll be moved, but he could be Um, the pirates. I think if you're a pirates fan and obviously I haven't been super plugged into them over the past couple of years, you can be a little bit more excited than maybe you once were, but you still have, you know, terrible owners. So uh, obviously you will take that with a grain of salt, but these are the same owners that went out and got the most coveted asset in baseball in Miguel Andujar. I am shocked. They were able to add him without giving up Brian Reynolds and like, three future firsts with all the the trades that Yankees and their fans uh, were including him in. Um, Andujar won't really be anything for this team. I just wanted to make that joke, but the pirates, yeah, they're, they're cool. Like, you know, I think being a nationals fan and seeing the state of the team as lady made me, uh, made me a little bit more empathetic to the cause of teams like the pirates or the reds <laughs> you know we just we just want reasons to watch we're we're not really expecting much right now but the pirates they're cool they're fine i agree i really really like key brian hayes um oh yeah defensively stuck right up right up there with arenado doesn't get the credit he deserves because where he plays i really love o'neill cruz talked about him last year there's pieces there. Their ownership wasn't a bunch of morons. Um, but yeah, yep. you, you did a great job discussing. Thank you. All of that. So we move on. We are moving on to the NL East. Oh, I'm such a jokester. Do you hear that really <laughs> original thing I just said? I know. I know. I called the NL East the NL Beast. <laughs> um, so we start with the New York Mets, the billion dollar roster. Just kidding. Have that by two. They spent $497 million over the offseason. They even bought a Super Bowl ad. And they got a massive new Jumbotron in center field. And 
some of the new food they have this year looks kind of good. I don't know if you saw it, Nick, but no, I didn't. Oh man, they got a a spicy chicken sandwich on a donut, and like the most insane milkshake I've ever seen in my life. Want a so <laughs> actually, yeah, it looked really good. <laughs> um, think things are looking great for the Mets. Uh, I should probably talk about their roster. So <laughs> they are star studded from top to bottom. They were almost on paper one of the best teams we've seen in a very long time. But then the Carlos Correa deal fell through, which I'm kind of glad it did just because that roster would have been rather stupid. But I'm upset it didn't because it would have been even funnier when they found a way to fall apart. We'll get there in a second. Um, they lost the Grom, and Steve Cohen had his, you know, people go out and attack him because there was quite a lot of hit pieces on the Grom as soon as he left, which was pretty funny. They replaced him with the reigning AL Cy Young winner in Justin Verlander. They signed international superstar Kode Singa, aka the Ghost Fork. Great nickname, by the way. I the Ghost like Fork, <laughs> really good nickname. <laughs> Um, they brought back the reigning batting champ, Jeff McNeil. Um, Reese, oh, and they resigned. No, sorry. They brought back Nemo. They have Jeff McNeil. And they have the best closer in baseball. They signed him to a fat contract who, very unfortunately, broke his knee essentially celebrating in the World Baseball Classic when they beat the Dominican Republic. A very, very unfortunate injury. So that kind of pings them some questions. But we'll start with the lineup. The lineup's going to be solid again. Last year, they were second in average, second in on-base, sixth in OPS, fifth in runs, 15th in home runs, 23rd in stolen bases. They're going to be good again. They got McNeil, Marte, Nimmo. They're going to be in top of the lineup somehow, getting things started with that speed for Lindor and Pete Alonso. So that is going to be a pretty good top half of the roster they have question marks 500 million dollars they still have question marks um can marcana escobar and vogelback can they be enough when the injuries happen and can they hold it down and produce when they're called upon again the mets love to do um platoons jeez my mind my, my mind blinked there for a second the mets Love to do platoons. We're going to see all of those guys in platoons with Luis Guillemore, Tommy Pham, um, Nito, Darren Ruff, guys, guys like that. They are going – sorry, um, Frank Fleming, if you guys know who he is. Oh, boy. His rants about Darren Ruff are really, really funny, and I highly recommend you guys take a look at that. They are going to be in platoons with the guys like Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar, Vogelback, which is going to be really, really interesting. World Baseball Classic also created a kind of cool situation for them. Top prospect Brett Batty is probably going to break the roster because Eduardo Escobar was playing in the World Baseball Classic. Brett was playing in spring training. He had a pretty good spring, so there's a very good chance that their top prospect, after all these years, um, is going to look like that he is going to be able to be in contention for the starting spot is really funny because he went from almost trapped for the next 10 years if they got Carlos Correa to potentially being the opening day for uh, their basement. The rotation last year was dominant. They were 5th in ERA, 5th in whip, 7th in walks, 1st in Ks, top 10 in every single stat, and on paper, they look somewhat better. 
They are top two in the league, and it's deep. Scherzer, Verlander, Singa, Jose Quintana, Carlos Carrasco, Peterson, and Miguel in the wings as well as a six and seven. The depth here is absolutely crucial because Scherzer and Verlander, I love them so much, and I say this so nicely. I love they're, Justin Verlander. I love old. him. Don't tell Monty that. <laughs> they're old. They're very, very old, and it's not like the Cardinals having, you know, Adam Wainwright, who's throwing an 85-mile-per-hour fastball. Like, Max and Verlander still got it. I mean, Verlander won the Cy Young last year, and Max, Max is still Max. So it was a little different, but Father Time is undefeated, and that is going to be something to watch for the Mets. Bullpen is now reshaped. No Diaz hurts a lot. They're going to rely on David Robertson to get the first jab at closing. That's pretty interesting. But they also have some pretty good options in Smith, Olivino, and Rayleigh to help in case he doesn't hold it down. Look at their lineup for opening day. They should be trouting out Brandon Nemo, Marte, Lindor, Alonzo, McNeil, Vogelback, Kana, Escobar, and then Omar Navarez behind the plate. That's pretty good. Bacada has them winning 93 games. And unless they don't pull the Mets, they should be in contention for the East this year. And they should be in a prime spot to make a deep playoff run. If that's a big if around these parts if they don't pull a Mets and find a way to collapse. The Mets are going to Mets. If history has told us anything, the Mets are the Mets and they will Mets. That's typically how it goes with the Mets. Um, All right, moving on to the Atlanta Braves. Honestly, I don't know if I'm just like really good at erasing things from my memory. Probably not. I forget that the Braves won a World Series like two years ago. Like that. Does not, that does not seem like a thing to me, but it very much is. And this roster is very much still a World Series contender. They lost Dancy Swanson. That's really their only notable loss, but they are honestly pretty deep, which is really annoying. Um, if you look at their lineup, they went out and traded for Sean Murphy. So basically punted on William Contreras, which I don't think that was a bad move on their part. Got Sean Murphy, who's a top five catcher in baseball, in my opinion, just absolutely pillaging the athletics roster, at least what was what once was their roster. Sean Murphy, Matt Olson, Ozzie Albies, Austin Riley, Orlando Arcia takes over for Dancy Swanson at short, Eddie Rosario, Michael Harris, Ronald Acuna Jr. And then, of course, they still have the scumbag Marcelo Zuna on their roster as well in true Braves fashion but then they have really good depth as well they have Kevin Pillar as their fourth outfielder they have uh, Travis Darno still who's like a silver slugger catcher and solid defensively as their backup catcher their rotation is honestly super underrated in my opinion like they don't have the the hardware like the Mets do with the Scherzer and Verlander and then the big splash like uh, Senga but Max Freed, Spencer Strider, honestly, one of the better one-two punches in baseball. Uh, and then they have Charlie Morton, who's just like the ageless wonder, great at eating innings. And then they finish out with Kyle Wright. And Jared Schuster is their top prospect. He's likely to win a spot out of camp. And honestly, him as your fifth starter, he's a rookie. So, you know, there might be growing pains there as well. But him as your fifth starter with the potential and ceiling that guy has is scary. And in true Braves fashion, you know, he's going to be good. 
So that rotation could be super, super solid. They traded for Raziel Glacius to be their closer. Their bullpen is okay. Like there's certainly um, opportunities to to break through if you're an opposing offense, but I think overall it's pretty solid. Colin McHugh is their long reliever. They have Kirby Yates, who's had a rough couple past year past seasons, but in 2019 he was arguably the best closer in baseball with the Padres. Like they just don't have a lot of weaknesses. If you were to pick out one, it would probably be shortstop in Orlando Arcia. But the th- <laughs> the thing is, they also have a top prospect in um, Brand Brad no Braden Shoemaker, I believe is his name. Who's he's not like a top overall prospect and you know gonna change the face of baseball but the Braves are really good at developing their guys and Chubaki is just an all-around player he's known for his contact he has really solid defense he's probably one of the better defensive shortstops in the minor leagues and he's basically ready to make his debut so if Arcia struggles at all they they can really just bring up Shoemaker and he's going to slide right in and he's going to be in a stacked lineup. So he's not going to have to hit lead off or anything like that. He can hit ninth and honestly just be really solid and just be like a second lead off guy for that annoyingly stacked lineup. Uh, and then he'll get like a 10 year, $20 million deal with the Braves and be a part of their core for the next decade. Like that's just how the Braves do business. How it's how they've done business. It's just, insane the Braves are still going to be very very good Pakota has them winning 90 games which I would hammer the over I I don't know if I'm alone in that I think the guys like Matt Olson Ozzy Albies that you're looking to have bounce back years I think they have them I just I, I just think that this this team is one without many weaknesses and they have the depth to get through 162 games. And I hate to say it because I hate the Braves. They're probably my least favorite team in baseball. But this team is good. And this team will be good for quite some time. And it, it sucks. <laughs> like, it honestly sucks. I wish I could poke more holes in their their roster construction. But it, it's just, it's so good, dude. Like, I, I don't even know what else to say. Like, the Braves are going to make the playoffs and probably going to make another run. Yeah, this is there. They'll definitely be in the playoffs. This is definitely one of the weaker rosters that they've had. It was an interesting offseason. Yes, I, I do. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> um, the left field situation's a disaster. That's true. Eddie Rosario, I forgot about him. Like, yes, he's a weakness as well. But they could easily go trade for another outfielder. But they didn't, which is very interesting. To true, me. true. Um, and. I don't like Dansby. I don't think Dansby is good, but that was a five-win player they had at shortstop, and they didn't replace, which was very, very interesting to me. Um, they clearly gave up on Grisham. He just stopped playing in spring training. Oh, yeah. I forgot he was even the thing. They just gave up on him. He just stopped playing. And Schumacher, Shoemaker, Shoe, whoever you say it, he, I don't think he's close to ready, so I thought that was very interesting he was playing. And they're going with Arcia. It's interesting. Like I said, they're going to be good. If Acuna bounces back, the lineup's going to be going. Freed before he's gone. It's They're going to be interesting. It's definitely the weaker Braves team I've seen in a while. But what's the weakest Braves team in a while? Because they've been a 100 win team. But like, look at the team that won the it, World Series. It, exactly, that's, a, that's a bunch of nobodies. 
that's that's the thing. It's like saying it's, it's like not to that level, but it's like saying, oh, this is the weakest Dodgers team. They're gonna right, Dodgers exactly. gonna turn out win ninety five games. Like they're yeah. still gonna win ninety games, but I think there is a higher chance of a variance for them, which is interesting. But I'm with you. I I think they I think they win the division. To be completely honest with you, but I do think the chance for variance is there for them, and we haven't I would agree. seen that in a while. So they're gonna be. They're going to be pretty interesting to watch. And continuing on, we get to the Phillies. Who also, by the way, got a new scoreboard. Big one. I've seen, photos, I've seen photos of it in the plane. That boy's huge. They're coming off season where they won the NL pennant. Um, Bryce Harper had the swing of his life. Electric, by the way. I miss him so much. I miss him so much. Had the swing of his life. And then also the home run. In the first game, they were a couple wins away from winning the World Series. They had hell of an offseason as well. They signed Trey Turner, 10-year, $300 million deal. I mean, they signed arguably the best shortstop in baseball to a lineup that's very good. Looking at other stuff, they signed Taiwan Walker, who's a very good four. They signed Craig Kimbrell, who's a shell of his former self, but he's still got a little bit left in the tank. In his pitch arsenal, plays into what the – what the Phillies do very, very well with their relievers. So that should give them a pretty interesting back of the bullpen. This team on paper, fully healthy would have been the favorite to win the NL. I think yeah. if they're fully healthy coming to year, they would have been looking at a hundred wins, but they're not healthy. Bryce is going to be out until May or the all-star break. Every report on him's kind of confusing. Um, so the question went from, can this lineup survive without Bryce Harper, which they did last year, because when Bryce Harper comes back, it's – You there? Marsh, who are already question marks, and they did need them to take a step forward, but they weren't going to have to rely on them that much. They're going to have to rely on them even a little bit more just because the Hoskins injury. And they do have decent depth. Their farm system is above average, so they got guys to replace them. But it's not Hoskins. I do feel absolutely terrible. Hoskins got hurt. Walkier was probably going to get a good deal like Abreu did. But now he's probably just going to be lucky to get a one-year deal, which is really, really unfortunate for him. Then you look at the lineup. Castellanos had a down year last year. Somehow figured out how to play defense in the postseason. But they're going to need him to bounce back pretty big to help fill that void of Hoskins in the middle of the lineup. That is going to hurt big time. Their depth is going to be tested. Guys like Stubbs, Sosa, Josh Harrison, by the way, (laughs) former Nat, and Jake Cave, they're going to be called upon even more so. And then you got guys like Kingery, Guthrie, Clemens to be making they're going to be bouncing up and down from AAA to majors because they do have options I think in the early part of the season you're going to see the Phillies rotate guys a lot more than they wanted to originally coming into the in to the season so the question is can they survive until Bryce comes back Hoskins isn't coming back but even without Hoskins Trey Turner Kyle Schwarber JT Real Muto Bryce Harper Nick Castellanos is still very, very good. That five right there, that five can go head-to-head with every other lineup in the league. 
They just have to stay afloat until Bryce comes back. How are they going to do that? They're pitching. Their pitching last year was better than people thought, you know? Starting pitching was 14th in the array, 6th in whip, 2nd in walks. Um, bullpen wasn't very good, but the rotation was better. You look at Nola, Wheeler, Suarez, who's hurt, by the way, Walker, and Falter. That's a pretty good pretty good bull, uh, starting rotation. But they have injuries there as well. Andrew Painter, who is going to make the team at some point, he's out for the year. A couple of their back in the bullpen guys have injuries as well. They'll be back. But again, it's more questions of this depth is going to be tested. Can they survive? And so fascinating because they went from 101 team fully healthy to, all right, they'll win 90 to 92, you know, once Bryce is back. Now without Hoskins, I think they get bumped down a little bit more. I think they're in the same win range they won last year. So you're looking at 87 to 90 range again. A lot of guys are going to miss time. They'll be back at one point. They just got to gotta get there. And if they do, they're going to be in the playoff race again. They're going to make the playoffs again. I think they still make the playoffs. Even with the Hoskins injury, I do think the depth that I mentioned is strong enough to survive. But I think their win expectation is going to take a big hit. And a team that next year, fully healthy, probably can win 100 games is going to win a little less than 90 because of that. If there's anything we know about Dave Dombrowski, he is great about going all in, getting something to show for it, which I guess a pennant is at least something to show for It's, you know, after going a decade without making the playoffs, like that's certainly something to show for your efforts. But we know this Phillies team has a shelf life. And you would think with Bryce Harper signed for, you know, 10 more years and Trey Turner signed for 10 more years and all this stuff. Like they don't have a shelf life, but they do Dombrowski, you know, they're, they're going to need a hard reset in the next couple of years. So they need to go all in. And with him still, obviously at the helm, I think we see another sort of move. I don't know who they would get to replace him. It just depends how the market unfolds. Um, But I, I don't think they're necessarily done. I mean, they were so close last year so close last year and their team on paper was not as good as this team on paper but baseball some played on paper just saying i do think they they try to salvage this year a little bit as opposed to just going with what they got but we'll see we'll see the phillies will be interesting to watch and they're so hard not to root for with bryce and trey and god i miss i miss them so much I also think to your point, people still remember like Nola's one bad year and they kind of like underrate him because of it. Like even though he was super solid last year and they also kind of underrate how good Zach Wheeler is too, but Zach Wheeler is also very good. So yeah, the Phillies will be solid. I think they'll be fine. All right, moving on to the final team in our 14 team national league breakdown. That is the Miami Marlins. And the Marlins are the Marlins, just as the Mets are the Mets, and the Nats are the Nats, I guess. But the Marlins, like, they also have some, like, hype with them. They have the reigning NL Cy Young. Sandy Alcantara is electric. He, I mean, best pitcher in baseball, probably, at least right now. Obviously, that kind of changes month to month, start to start, even. Um, Their rotation is solid. 
very, very solid and their rotation can play. It's their lineup that has a lot of questions, but with the rotation, Sandy Alcantara, they have Edward Cabrera, who had a really good year last year. Uh, Jesus Lazardo, who's been all over the place, but seems to have found a home in Miami. He was much better after the trade uh, from the athletics to Miami. He's been solid. Trevor Rogers, they're looking to have a bounce back year. Hopefully more of 2021 Trevor Rogers than what they got last year. And then they signed Johnny Cueto, who's like obviously past his prime, but had a really nice bounce back campaign last year. He's kind of the vet of that um, starting rotation. So he can provide some nice value to them if he can just kind of do what he did last year. Um, Their bullpen is not great, but there is some potential there. I I honestly had no clue they traded for AJ Puck. That deal happened like a month ago. Had no idea that deal happened. AJ Puck is like a really solid reliever. Uh, I don't know, like the guy they the the Athletics traded for or traded Puck for, but I like AJ Puck a, a decent amount. I think he's a, a fine reliever. Dylan Floro is probably their closer. Their lineup though is like it, it's just honestly, yeah, it's just not good. I'm like I'm not gonna try to sugarcoat it. Jacob Stallings, Garrett Cooper, Luis Arias came over in the deal for Pablo Lopez. The one thing I should probably mention about the rotation, they had Pablo Lopez, who's like a solid middle of the rotation guy, and they traded him for the AL batting champ uh, last year in Luis Arias, which is a move we'll, that's going to be one t- interesting one to, to follow as uh, the season goes on, who kind of quote-unquote won that deal. Gene Segura, they signed to play third base. Joey Wendell is probably their shortstop. Jesus Sanchez, they moved Jazz Chisholm in their rises deal to center field. He's going to be playing center field for them in a new position. Avisil Garcia, they signed last year, and Jorge Soler, they signed last year. So, like, their lineup is fine, but you look at who they're playing, their lineup does not hold a candle to the Phillies or the Braves or the, the Mets, even like uh, to the Nats, yes. But, like, it, it's just, I, I want the Marlins to have a, like that breakout year and it just seems like they have the pitching to do it but they don't have the complete package and they're just going to be kind of a 500 team for the next several years unless something drastic changes and then they'll kind of rebuild all over again like i want them to make that splash move that splash signing that you know face of the franchise i've been using that phrase a lot but like i want them to make that big move because i I like when those underdog teams, the teams you don't expect, rise to power. I I don't want it to always be the Dodgers or the Braves or the Mets. Like I want those underdog teams to kind of, you know, keep the the top dog, so to speak, on their on their toes. And I think the Marlins have like the bones to do that. It's just they do they have the drive? Do they have the management to do that? Like I, right now, no. But I don't hate their team either. To me, they're a eighty win team. They're going to have really, really good pitching. They're going to be a problem for a lot of teams with weaker lineups. But at the same time, they don't have the, you know, the go to, you know, go themselves to to really, you know, get past some of the other teams they'll have to get past to secure a playoff spot. Like if you're fourth in your own division, I mean, that realistically only gives you one playoff spot to fight and that you know, includes like the teams from the West, the teams, well, I, I guess there's really only one team in the central, but like, do you think 
the Marlins can really realistically beat two teams in the division and the Dodgers or the Padres? Like probably not. So, you know, they're just going to be stuck in this middling ground. And I, I liked the, you know, wheeling and dealing for Arias and moving Chisholm to center field to hopefully like, you know, put different pieces in place and uh, put the best lineup out on the field possible. But again, I, I just don't think they have enough go to to get there. But I would like them to. Sandy Alcantara is must watch baseball every time he steps on the mound. They have a lot of young tantalizing prospects. I don't know that we'll see any of them this year. Maybe Yuri Perez, who's their top prospect. Like if he progresses as quickly as he has been aggressing, like he's one to watch. He's six, eight and throws it pretty hard. Uh, but then some of their other guys like Jacob Barry was their top draft pick a couple of years ago. He's not going to be around for a while. And some of their other guys are more like 2025 range. So is this kind of just like, hovering around 500 for the next couple of years until the next guys come up and then you reset again. Like that's kind of what it feels like for now. I need the Marlins to do something else. So 80 wins is kind of where I'm at with the Miami Marlins. Yeah. Mar- Marlins were, if they would just address their lineup. Yeah. They could be good, but they just refuse. I think 80 yeah. bold and I like bold. I respect it. Dakota has them at 79.7. So they're about they're about there. That their pitching staff is good. It is, but that lineup is le poo-poo. Yeah, that it, it is. It, it please, it's Miami. Please use Spanish. <laughs> it's El Poo Um but yeah, that's the Marlins. But that wraps up our 14 team breakdown. Whew. Ryan couldn't have done it without you, buddy. All the days work, baby. All in a day's work. By putting the long hours. Exactly. That's why they pay us the big bucks. <laughs> oh, man. So that wraps our division preview. Obviously, we did not do the Nationals tonight. We will give the Nationals their own episode. Don't know if they deserve it, but they will get their own episode as we tend to do. We'll probably have a, a guest interview on. Um, that episode will come out on Wednesday before opening day. So that way you get the full day to listen as, you know, kind of a appetizer for opening day in the start of the 2023 MLB season. And we'll go fully in depth on the nationals, our bold predictions. That's always one of the better episodes season predictions. We'll kind of uh, finalize those, set those in stone. So that way we can take our victory laps or choose to completely ignore it. If we end up being wrong, Um, all that good stuff. It's going to be a great episode on Wednesday and hope you enjoyed this episode as well. Uh, Ryan, you got anything else before we wrap up? Uh, no, baseball's back. It's an exciting time. I hope everyone watched the World Baseball Classic because that was oh, so good. Absolute baseball porn. That was and so good. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Nationals stole our money for opening day. Not really <laughs> thrilled about that, but, you know, yeah. I'm a sucker at the end of the day. What can I say? But you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, follow the show at Half Street High Heat. Follow Ryan at We Are All Shack and myself at the Coach Moose. Be sure to check out halfstreethigh.com for all the latest baseball content, not even just nationals. There is nationals content, so you get your fix there. Uh, but we're covering MLB, we're covering college, we're co- covering minor leagues, and everything in between. Be sure to check out Half Street High Heat on YouTube. Trey putting out great work uh, every single week, sometimes multiple times a week, and especially with the season rolling around, he has a lot in store for you. So be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and be sure to check out District on Deck as well. Uh, we are running. Uh, articles over there 
Um, so basically we have two writing staffs, two full fledged writing staffs. We have in total about like 20, 25 writers. So we have content coming at you everywhere. So be sure to check out both halfstreethight.com and districtondeck.com for all your daily Nats and baseball content. Man, we are busy, 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 busy. But anyways, that does it for this episode. Be sure to check back in a couple days for our Nationals preview and season preview episode. Um, But that's it. In the meantime, let's go Nats. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. The early light of dawn, well, you can see they're running scared. Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air. Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look. Cause we're putting curly W's in every book. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's go. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.